Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning. I'm standing here in Odium Cemetery the place where we will inter the ashes of Diane Charnley later this summer. And I don't know if you know, but the word cemetery in the original language is coimaterion, and that literally means a sleeping place. A cemetery is a sleeping place. Now in the passage that we're reading this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul refers to death using that metaphor of falling asleep several times. Now, the Apostle Paul isn't teaching the idea of soul sleep, uh, which is a concept that people have that when you die, you, you go into a state of unconsciousness until the last day when you are revived or, or resurrected. No, Paul says elsewhere in Philippians that uh, he would rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord. In other words, he knows that as soon as he's absent from the body, he will be present with the Lord in a state of consciousness immediately. But Paul here is using the concept of falling asleep as a metaphor for death for the Christian, partly because it is a temporary state of affairs for us. So let's read it in chapter 4 verse 13. He says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, Paul is going to go on in this passage to talk about the second coming of Jesus in the rest of chapter four and about uh, us meeting him in the air, us being raised and meeting him in the air. And now there's a lot of speculation that has arisen out of this passage about the end times. We can all get the charts out, trying to chart out with a timetable for Jesus return and the whole idea of the rapture and so on. But it's important we understand that the reason Paul was writing this here was not to give us fuel for endless speculation about the end times, but rather to give us comfort when we have questions about death and about grief and about our judgment that we may face at the end as well. Paul as a pastor and as apostle is teaching things that will enable these people to cope with the questions they have because they have lost loved ones and so he's writing to them to answer their questions and to give them comfort and hope. They're feeling faint-hearted and anxious about these issues and so he wants to give them truth to help them. Now he says, I don't want you to be ignorant and that word ignorant is um, a, a similar to the word agnostic except that with agnosticism people don't commit to a position because they're not sure if it's possible to know something. Whereas to be ignorant means that you don't commit to a position because you just haven't taken the time to find out about it. And so you're ignorant. 
and sometimes we say that ignorance is bliss. But for Paul, very often the problem that Christians have in their lives is due to ignorance. And the answer is for him to give them knowledge so that they no longer are ignorant and instead they can have blessing. And so Paul wants to teach them the truth so that they can understand their position in Christ. But there was ignorance. In the Old Testament, there were only glimpses about what would happen at the end. And the concept of the resurrection was a fairly faint concept. It was there in places in the Psalms. Uh, in in uh, Daniel chapter 12, it talks about um, falling asleep and rising again. So there were some teaching and some ideas around the resurrection, but it was only in the New Testament when Jesus came and brought life and immortality to light in the gospel that we get a full and clear articulation of the end times and of the resurrection. That's how progressive revelation works from the Old Testament to the New Testament. What was hidden in the Old is revealed in the New Testament for us. And so here we have a clear articulation of the end. But the heathens also at the time, and as Joshua has said, the Greeks were different, different groups had different opinions, but generally the Greeks were pretty pessimistic about the end of the world and what would happen after death, life after death. They generally were pessimistic about it. One a Greek, Theocritus, said that hope is for the living, but the dead are without hope. They often thought that it was a bit like this, when the sun sets, you have hope because you know it will rise in the morning. But when the sun sets on our lives, we have no hope because we, it won't rise in the morning. And so, as a result, Christians may have picked up from this. And certainly in Corinth, when Paul writes, it says that some of you don't believe that there is a resurrection. Now, Paul wants to help them to understand. And so he says, brothers, we don't want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Paul is not telling them that they shouldn't grieve. No, it's that they shouldn't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. You see, to grieve is to be human. It's natural for us. And God doesn't want us to suppress our human emotions and our human feelings. In fact, Jesus, the perfect man, wept. And we know when he lost his, his uh, cousin, John the Baptist, that he had to retreat in order to process what he had experienced, that loss that he'd experienced. We know that Jesus was a man who was acquainted with sorrow and with grief. And Paul teaches us that we should weep with those who weep. Now, we wouldn't be told to weep with others if it was a sinful thing to weep. And so Paul here is saying, well, you're not to grieve like the rest of men. Now, he's not saying that as a Christian, we will grieve a little bit less than non-Christians. He's not talking about the degree of our grief. We all grieve to various levels and degrees according to the circumstances of the loss. If we've lost something because of the the uh, pandemic um, in terms of losing holidays and things we can grieve in a mild kind of way if we lose a loved one we can grieve in an intense and prolonged and and really overwhelming 
kind of way. And that would be just as intense for the Christian as for the non-Christian. But it's the type of grief that we experience that will be different. And so for us as Christians, the grief we experience is one that has hope like an anchor for us that will hold us in the storms when we're tossed around in the waves of grief we have an anchor that will hold us firm and so Paul here says that we I want you to know some things to help you it's a little bit like this grief is like a river a river that runs its course and must run its course. It's important that we allow that process of grief to happen. And it, there are many twists and turns on that as that river runs its course. But for the Christian, we have a bank on either side of that river that will direct the course of our grief. If we don't have those banks, it's like the river just floods and is kind of overwhelming and un out of control. But if we have some truth, like those two banks of the river, then they will help us. And Paul gives truths like the banks of the river. He says two things. The first is this, that Jesus died and rose again. He'd already taught that to them back in Acts 17 when he first turned up there. He, they knew this already. He starts with what they already know, which is that Jesus died and rose again. The second point is this, that Jesus will return and he will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, what Paul says to these people is this. You know that Jesus died and rose again. You know that he will return and you are in Christ. He, he taught that back in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, that we are in Christ. We are in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in this passage, he talks about how we have fallen asleep in him. We are in him. Therefore, Jesus died, but he rose again. And therefore, we too will rise again because we are in him. Furthermore, those who've already fallen asleep immediately go to be with him because they are in him. Death cannot break that bond between us and Christ. We remain with him, whether in life or in death. And at the final resurrection, we will be fully reunited with him in body and in spirit because he rose from the dead and we are in him. So we too will rise to newness of life. And so Paul is able to comfort these people with these truths. Let's allow the truth to encourage us and to inform us and to enable us to enjoy the full blessings that God has for us so that we can navigate our way through all the difficulties and challenges of life because we too know the truth. And so let us just pray together. And Lord, we ask you that you would help us to know that you died, that you rose again, and that you will come again, and that we are in you, we are secure in you, and uh, Lord, that we will forever be with you, whether in life or in death, or at the end of time, we will be with you forever, because we are in Christ. We thank you that we are in you, incorporated into you, and we pray that we might live that life today, uh, living in the truth that we are in you, hidden in Christ. 
We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.